You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Broncos Broncos Country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, how are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm doing great. The question is, how are you doing? Last show, you, you know, you went on this tirade, and you were just upset and flabbergasted, and everything was going on. So uh, how are you doing today? Honestly, Nick, I don't even I don't even remember what we talked about last episode, so I... I thought that was uh, two episodes ago. I also went. I think I went a little crazy too after the Thursday night game. So maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a little bit crazy, Nick. I don't know. You know what? I I, I hear sometimes uh, some players say that uh, they they do certain things and they kind of black out, so they don't remember some of those things. Are you going through that same thing that that sometimes like you go on a rant so much and then you just kind of blank out? It, it, maybe it reminds me of what, what was the movie Old School. Remember mm. Will Ferrell's character goes to the podium and he's reciting all these scientific and mathematic facts and all of a sudden he blanks out and goes, well, what happened? Is yeah. that what's happening to you? Yeah, about about halfway through the season every year, I just kind of black out and I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything that happens. All the games get mixed together for me. Like it doesn't it's it's just, you know. You get you get lost in the sauce a little bit, you know, lost in the sauce. Uh and, and Nick, have you been watching any any playoff baseball, man? Have you been? I know you're a big Yankees fan. You've been watching any uh, any of the playoffs? You know, I, I did get a chance to see the Yankees game, but I did uh, watch uh, the Braves game, and mm-hmm. I caught a little of uh, the Dodgers game. I, I didn't see it in its entirety, but uh, I know it was like three three at one point, Padres and Dodgers. But uh, you know what? That's the great thing I, I love about you know October because you have so many things happening. The NFL season has kicked off. Hockey is in full swing. Basketball season uh, is taking place as well. And then he's got, you know, it's like the hunt for red October in, in baseball. And that's when baseball really, really get uh, exciting. And that's when I truly start to watch. So uh, I didn't get a chance to watch as much as I wanted to because I was doing some other things, but I definitely will watch uh, from here on out. Yeah, I got to watch uh, my Mariners play the other day, and they lost on a, a walk-off three-run home run, and I was like, well, that's enough baseball for me. So, <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, wait, 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 wait. So, so you, you go on these rants on a podcast, and then you blank out and you don't remember. Uh-huh. So your Mariners, you know, uh, lose, and all of a sudden you blank out and you're done. Come on, yeah. George. Don't tell me you are a quitter. I am a quitter, especially when it comes to baseball fandom, because baseball is not really my sport. The only reason I cheer for my, my buddy works for them, so I've kind of jumped on the bandwagon. I think it's their uh, first time in the playoffs in you know twenty some years or whatever. So 
uh, I was like, oh, I'll cheer for him. And and I like uh, Julio Rodriguez, the their, their rookie of the year. Great guy. So it seems like, uh, though, they're, they're going to get beat by the Astros. So I, I'm kind of off the bandwagon now. But uh, I, I know when to jump off and, and jump on bandwagons, Nick. I'm very good at that. You know what, George? Uh, I would have never figured you to be a bandwagon rider, but I'm glad I know now. Yeah, you you need to know. That's probably the number one thing you need to know about me. <laughs> um, but Nick, let's uh, let's let's cut the baseball talk. We we've got some important stuff to talk about with football. And one thing I want to start with 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 today is, is something we both saw. Uh, you know, this week on on a different podcast. I believe it's Richard Sherman's podcast. And Richard Sherman's a guy, man. He's been pretty uh, vocal about Russell Wilson. Uh, the last few months when he, since he's been traded really to the Broncos uh, has really not had some great things to say about him. He had Marshawn Lynch on though uh, the other day and in Marshawn Lynch, actually it sounded like he had some good things to say about Russell Wilson. I think he talked about, you know, uh, he wants to make sure that, that Russell's mind's right, that he's, he's worried about him because, you know, they have lost a few games. There's been a lot of critics out there. Uh, and it sounds like Marshawn still has quite a bit of love for Russell. What'd you think of that clip? Yeah, I, that, that, that was a great clip. And I think that's not what uh, Richard Sherman intended. He, he thought yeah. that maybe it would go the opposite way because we all know what happened when Russ was a member of the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom was there. You know, Russ was leading the offense and then you had Cam Chancellor and, and Richard was part, part of that, that defense and they didn't always mesh. And this is probably why Richard Sherman has been really critical of uh, Russell Wilson, and here's save, come save me to the day, and it's someone that you don't even think that would actually do it, uh, the outspoken Marshawn Lynch, and for me, it was like great to hear Marshawn say that about Russell and not really go in on him like local media has, national media has, and for him to say, well, listen, man, Russell got to, has to remember that he is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He is a high caliber quarterback that has won some uh, great games in this league and beat some good quarterbacks, some good teams in this league. He has to remember that. But George, what happens when you start to go down a slump as a player or as a team, sometimes you forget about all the positives that you bring to the table and you're just so overwhelmed by the negative uh, narratives and all the noise that sometimes you even get down on yourself. So I'm glad that Marshawn Lynch, uh, said that about Russell, and I hope Russell actually heard it himself to just kind of give him a, a, a boost of confidence to know that here is a guy, once again, a very outspoken guy, and he speaks what's on his mind, but he's saying these things about you. Those are very powerful things that Marshawn said. Right, and and I think it's interesting because there's been this narrative out there that a bunch of people in, in Seattle, a bunch of his teammates didn't like him when he was with the Seahawks, and, and I, I think – if there's one guy that should maybe be at the top of that list, maybe it's Marsh, Marshawn Lynch. When you think about obviously the play uh, against the against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. where you know everybody said they should have handed it off to Marshawn Lynch, uh, instead they they put the ball in Russell's hands and Russell you know throws the interception and they lose the game. And you would think that Marshawn Lynch would probably still be bitter about that or or whatever. Uh, but no, Marshawn is a guy that I think Marshawn is a very honest guy. I think we've learned that. Uh, throughout his career so for him to come out and back Russell uh, I think it was it was a good thing and and it also kind of leads into another discussion for us Nick is like again in, in Seattle we don't exactly know what happened there and if there were some teammates that didn't like Russell and some teammates that did because we've heard 
you know, now Marshawn Lynch, Tyler Lockett's come out and talked highly of, of Russell, uh, some of those other guys. Do you think, though, that in Denver he's he's won over this locker room yet, or do you think he he maybe is starting to lose it? Because I do think when you look at what the the success has been so far in Denver, it's been very low, and obviously it's early, but do you think at all he's he's lost the locker room at all in Denver? No, I, I don't. And, and George, it's very interesting that we're having this conversation because uh, there was a member of uh, the media, the local media here, who called me and had his statements as far as what he was saying that some guys in the locker room have said to him. And he alluded to that very fact that, yes, Russ is losing the locker room. And I'm like, well, who are you talking to? And because when I talk to guys in the locker room, I'm like, that's that's not what what, what I'm getting. And if there is a player who is upset with, with Russell, then maybe they should start looking at, at themselves because this the Broncos are not in a position where now you get all this finger pointing, is your fault, is your fault? No, there is fault all around that building, from the players to the coaching staff. So I, I think it's kind of a, a while to hear these conversations. And they're not just being had from a, from a local standpoint. Even on national media, they're talking about you know Russell and his leadership and is he leading the right way? And what I mean by that is we all know what happened on Thursday night. It wasn't one of Russ's best games. And I'm sure he would agree to it as well. And the question became, well, can he, as, as a guy that's having a, a bad game and the team gave up a King's ransom to acquire him, can he now go in and talk to the other guys about some of the issues that, that they're having? And the, the, the answer to that was, oh, no, he can't do that. He's not having a great game. So how can he go and talk to another player about how poorly that they're performing? But but once again, as a player or individual that's been in that locker room, there have been times where, you know, a guy may not have, have had a, a good game, but he's still able because of his leadership and the respect that he's garnered up to that point. He can talk to the other guys about what they did wrong. But the way that you do it, you don't start off, George, talking about what someone else did wrong. You start off saying, OK, well, here's what I did wrong. Here's how I can correct what I need to correct. And then you go into it. And I feel as though Russ has done that by standing up at the podium and, you know, taking, you know, the, the, those negative uh, criticisms and saying, you know what? Yes, I need to get better. You know, this is what I needed to do. But he still can lead this team even though he didn't have a great game on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's lost the locker room. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration, which obviously, Nick, you know people here uh, and and in the media in general like to do, right? They like to exaggerate things. Uh, and look, it's, it's too early to say that anyone's lost the locker room. I know there's people out there even talking about this coaching staff and have they lost the locker room. I, I just don't – I don't buy that yet. I, I get it. It's not been great through five weeks and Thursday night was certainly a low point in terms of especially what the offense has been doing. So I understand people want to be frustrated and point the finger and say, well, it's because Russell's losing the locker room or, or whatever. Let's not forget that like a lot of the guys on this football team have been on losing football teams in the previous years. Like they know what this looks like. This isn't like this is something new to them. And sure, I'm sure it's frustrating, but I don't think they're all of a sudden going, oh, well, it's Russell Wilson's fault. Like, I, I just don't buy that. I also don't buy that they're they're throwing Nathaniel Hackett totally under the bus. Like, now, if they go out and they can't start winning some games here in the next, you know, few weeks, then maybe some, some finger pointing starts happening. But 
I just don't buy that that people are already starting to throw certain people under the bus. And I think you're right, Nick. I think everybody needs to take a good look in the mirror at this situation because at the end of the day, it is a team sport. And it's never usually one person's fault that one team is is failing to succeed the way that they want to. So I think that that you're you're right on that. And, and maybe there's some young guys that are that are upset, but those are just some of the maturity and growing pains that I think you're going to have on a football team. But Nick, Nick, at what point though, let me ask you this. At what point, if you're in that locker room, is there ever a point that you start losing faith in Russell Wilson? And does it, is it beyond this year? Like, like do you, do you start thinking about that the next year? Or is that something that, Hey, if they lose the next couple of games, maybe the, the, the faith in Russell or the coaching staff starts to go down. Hey, full transparency. Yeah, it can happen. Right. Yeah. And, and that, doesn't necessarily mean, George, that it's going to be all of the teammates in that locker room. You will have a couple of guys here and there who are huddling in the corner, who are having their own conversations about, you know, what's not really happening with the team. And usually that happens, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, when someone feels as though they're not getting their touches, they're not getting their carries, because you got to think about it. You know, money is always the demotivator because you may have a guy on an expiring deal or a guy who may have incentives in his contract. And if I am not getting the ball, I can't get those incentives. So that's how those things started to happen. And it's, and it's a little different defensively because we get a chance to go out defensively and really make our own mark by making plays ourselves. Now, we have to play within the scheme, but I can go out and I can make a tackle. I mean, the quarterback doesn't really dictate what my stats are going to be defensively. Offensively, you have – those particular issues. So I can easily see maybe even now or even over the couple uh, uh, coming weeks that maybe one or two or, or maybe even three guys on, on maybe a running back or wide receiver or offensive line, they just started, well, as we call it, feeling themselves. And now they're upset because they feel as though they have now made to look poorly to their peers and their peers in the NFL. And they're looking for someone to blame. And for me, in those situations, you always go back to what can you do as a player to make your defense or your offense that much better? And if you're constantly worrying about someone else, George, then that means you're not worrying about what you need to do as an individual. But I can tell you, in team sports, it is something that happens because people are always looking to blame someone else when things are not going right. Yeah, and it is interesting, the offense versus defense dynamic in this, in, in the sense that, like, obviously, like you said, the defense can go out and make a tackle. But do you do you think that they ever get frustrated? Especially, I mean, especially some of these veteran guys that have been around here, have played good defensive football, and they continue to lose games because the offense can't score. Don't you think the frustration level – Well, I mean, the frustration level will eventually set in for both sides. But I feel like at some point, the defensive guys – like, I remember Bradley Chubb got up there – after the Colts game and was like, no, 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 we, we trust the offense will figure it out. Eventually they're going to hit a breaking point, right? Like they're eventually going to get pissed off that like, Hey, we're, we're, we're playing good enough to win football games. The offense needs to get it together. Yeah, of course, George. It's, it's, it's only natural that they're, they're human. Yeah. They're, they're going to feel that because it's like being in uh, any relationship. You, you're always looking for your partner to pull their fair share of the weight. And when they're not, I mean, you're going to make it known. I mean, in a marriage, you don't have teammates that you can go and talk to. You may talk to your boys. You may talk to your mom or your siblings. And you, and the biggest thing you need to do is talk to the person that you're involved with. So if that is something that starts to happen 
in that locker room. And I can tell you it's it's on the verge of happening because it's a natural thing. All you have to do is, is go to your teammates and talk to them. You know, what can we do to help you guys come along? Not go in aggressive like, hey, man, it is your fault and you did this. No, no one wants to be attacked in that way. Just go to them as teammates. Like, look, man, we know it's been rough. We've had our issues at times when we're playing great for three quarters and then there's a drive uh, with two minutes left and we allow the team to move the ball down the field like the Raiders game. And, you know, you saw what Josh Jacob was able to do to the defense. We, we, we've all been there. But we're teammates. We win and lose together. So what can we do to help you guys in practice to make you guys more prepared? That is the solution, and that is the conversation. So I hope that uh, they, they're they having that, that conversation at UC Health Training Facility. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know anything about marriage, Nick, so I can't comment on that. <laughs> um, but uh, I do think it's an interesting dynamic right now in that locker room, and, and it'll be interesting to hear – some of the guys talk today and, and later this week as, as they move forward. But, Nick, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will dive into uh, one guy. I know there's been a lot of injuries for the Broncos, but one guy that it looks like they're getting back this week that could be a big boost, especially on the defensive side of the football. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, let's dive into uh, the defensive side of the football. And, and we know that the Broncos, the, the injury list has, has piled up the last couple weeks. But one guy that they are, at least it, it looks like they're getting back this week, uh, is Pro Bowl safety, all pro safety, Justin Simmons. Uh, obviously, this is I would I would say this is a good thing for the Broncos. I know Caden Stearns has been playing really good football, and we can dive into maybe where you fit Caden Stearns into the the rotation now. But Nick, what what is just your reaction to to getting Justin Simmons back? What does that do for this defense? I mean, it's perfect to have him back, especially Monday Night Football, and you're playing against a, a division rival in the Chargers. And once again, when you look at the division. The Broncos are already down 0-1 to the Raiders. You don't want to go 0-2 in this division, uh, and you need a boost of confidence. And having Simmons comes coming back, that that's uh, that's something that should boost the confidence for for the defense. But the, but the here's the issue uh, with Simmons returning. It's great that he is, but you just mentioned that Caden Stearns has been playing well. So how do you get both of those guys on the field? I mean, you're happy Simmons is back. 
But now do you kind of push Caden to the back burner, even though he, you know, he played, he had a great game against, against the Colts. Yeah. Well, here's my, here's my idea, Nick. And you know, you know, the defense better than I do. And if guys can do something like this, but my theory is you lose Ronald Darby, right? And uh, you, you, you need a corner. Could they technically move Kwan Williams outside? And he's been really good inside, so I don't know if I'd actually do this, but I was just thinking out loud the other day. Move Kwan outside and say, hey, Caden, can you play the nickel? Because I do think Caden has played really well, and we've seen him play you know, in the slot before at the dime some, but I was thinking they could do that. Maybe they could do – three high safeties. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. And, and with Josie Jewell being hurt, do you take him off? The, do you take, you know, do you have just one inside linebacker out there and you play more DBs and you, you get Caden on the field? I don't know, but they need to find a way to get Caden out there. And I don't think the solution is taking Kareem Jackson off the field as much as people are like, Hey, well, Kareem Jackson is old and he's, you know, you know, on this last year or whatever, Kareem's still playing good football. Like, I don't think I want to take Kareem off the field either. Uh, so I, I don't know what the solution is, but those are some of the things that I was running through my head is like, well, could Caden play the nickel? Could he come in and play a third safety? Could you change up what you're doing schematically in terms of how many linebackers you have out there? I don't know. But w- what do you think they could do? And in, 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 am I an idiot for suggesting those type of ideas? Well, no, you're not, you're not an idiot. I mean, that's the whole part of this process trying to figure out, What's the, the the best mix and the best fit? I mean, also think about this: Michael Jamudia uh, should be back yeah, as yeah. well. So it's almost like perfect timing. And, and as a coach, you love to have these problems, right? Well, wh- who am I going to put here, and how am I going to make it work, and how am I going to get this guy uh, reps? But now I, I will disagree with you as far as putting Kingwan Williams outside. That that's not where he flourishes. He flourishes in that nickel spot because. He has uh, defenders all around him that, that are bookends, guys outside of him, guys inside of him. And then also, K1 is dealing with somewhat of a wrist it, uh, issue, and he had this kind yeah. of like uh, lollipop, you know, uh, cast on his hands. So he's best fitted to be sitting in that nickel position. So what I think you do is with Ronald Darby being out, DeMar Mathis gives you an option at the corner position. You still have Michael Ojemudia that you can work in. But you mentioned the fact that Josie Jewell uh, will will not be up due to his uh, lower leg extremity injuries. So now what you do, you can run one linebacker. You can run Alex Singleton as your your Mike linebacker. He's your green dot guy. You can bring Caden Stearns and you can put him in the box because you go back and you go you go back to that Thursday night game. The play that he made, that's similar uh, similar type of play that you would make from a linebacker position, dropping to your landmark covering guy, giving him to some, passing him off to someone else and being right in that quarterback uh, passing window. He can show him that he can definitely do that. The other way you can do it, I mean, Justin Simmons is coming back. Simmons has played in the box as well. You can bring him down in, in the box. So so there's a multitude of ways that, you know, Azura Everroad can use these guys. So it's not one of these things where now Justin's coming back now you have to sit Kareem because Caden's playing well, or you have to sit Caden. Now you you have a multitude of things that you can throw at this Chargers uh, offense that can kind of keep them off balance. Because when you have five DBs, that's nickel. Six, that's Don. And then seven DBs, that's dollar. 
So once again, it's not an ideal situation that you want to go to all the time, but it gives you options as far as what you can do with your defensive players. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Evero does because he does have what seems to be a lot of options. Uh, I mean, we even saw against the Colts where they took out all their inside linebackers and they had Baron Browning playing this like roaming, you know, linebacker. Is he going to rush? Is he going to spy? What's he going to do? So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what they do because they also have PJ Lockback who was playing some dime uh, when Justin was hurt and Caden was at safety. So, and he was playing good, like he was playing good football. So I, I wonder how they're going to mix all those guys in there. I did want to ask Nick with, with Darby out, do you have a preference between uh, Michael Ojemudia or, or Damari Mathis coming in to fill that role? Because it seems like that's, it's going to be one of those two guys that comes in and fills in at that, that corner spot. Do, do you have one that you're like, Hey, that guy's shown me more. I mean, obviously, Ojemudi has more experience, has played, you know, played quite a bit in the league um, over the last couple of years now. Obviously, Mathis is a rookie, still learning, but it seems like he's made some plays in the few games that he's been in there. Well, for me, I would go with Damari Mathis because, I mean, Michael Ojemudi has been out since preseason. Yeah. So he's got to work himself back into this lineup from a conditioning standpoint. And then it's all about uh, chemistry on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Demari Mathis, I mean, yes, he's still learning the game and it's going to be uh, somewhat of a process. But right now, to me, he's probably the better fit guy to go in and, and play. And listen, if he's not hitting the mark and he's uh, making some mistakes, he's missing tackles, you can always go to uh, Michael Ojemudia. But right now, you go out of the gate with Demari Mathis because when you start a game and you're a young player, that, that, that boost of confidence is right there. And that's exactly what you need. But if they go Michael Ojemudi and then they go to Mario Mathis, not saying that he won't be able to go in and play well, but then now it's just like, oh, well, my confidence level, I have to make a couple of plays to get into some of a rhythm and some of a flow. But this is a problem that you would love to have. I mean, obviously having Darby would be great because I thought he was playing well, but knowing as though you have other guys waiting in the wings that you can put out there, that's a luxury that not too many people's had. Not not too many teams have George. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that they have some options there. I also think I, I would roll with Mathis just because of Ojemudia's injury. Um, and also, I think Mathis has played well. I mean, I think he deserves the opportunity to prove himself and go out there and make some plays. So uh, I, I, th- I think that's what they'll do. I don't know. I think the other day at practice, Mathis was on the side field. So maybe he's going through a little bit of an injury, too. Um, so I, I'm not sure what they'll end up doing there, but they do have some options. Uh, Nick, let's dive in though to this Chargers offense and, and talk about how the Broncos can maybe slow them down. Uh, they're ranked, uh, I think, right here, ninth in scoring offense this year, 24.4 points per game. I believe that's the highest the Broncos have faced. Oh no, Vegas is is 25 points per game, so at, they're right above the Chargers, but. This is a, this is a good offense. Uh, when they're when they're on, they're on. And obviously, Justin Herbert's a guy uh, that that can do a lot of different things. He has some weapons: Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Austin Eckler. Uh, what do you see that stands out about this Chargers offense? And and what what maybe advantages do the Broncos have defensively against this Chargers team? Well, one, this Chargers team was uh, near the bottom in the league as far as uh, rushing the ball. And it wasn't until last week against the Cleveland Browns that they changed that with a couple of runs from Austin Eckler. So we know that they want to run the ball. There's a lot of play action. They have a lot of movement. They know how to attack your your linebackers. 
Uh, Keenan Allen has been out uh, with a hamstring injury. So the big play guy was uh, Mike, Mike Williams, and he's a big body type of guy. So I see, once again, uh, PS2 probably being a guy that follow, follows him around. But this is the offense, like you said, they can score points. And when you look within our division, that, that's a problem for, for the Broncos. I mean, they have a lot of explosive plays, and I think they may be ranked eight in NFL as far as explosive plays, but they don't move the ball well on third down because they're always behind the chains. And then in red zone, we know what that looks like. So this is going to be a challenge for the team as a whole, but this is where the Broncos defense can help out the offense by trying to neutralize uh, Justin Herbert. And if you go back and watch that Cleveland Browns game, you know, some of those runs that Austin Eckler had, I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he's a great running back. He, he's low center of gravity. It's hard to see him sometimes. But it was because the Cleveland Brown defenders were not in their run gaps. And when you do that, you make it easier for you know guys like Austin Eckler. So the Broncos rush defense, with the exception of Josh Jacobs in that Vegas game, they've done a great job. So they have to get back to basics, knowing where every guy needs to fit on, on, up on the run. And if they're able to do that, now you force uh, Herbert to now be an exceptional passer, which he is. But once again, when you don't have weapons at your disposal as a quarterback, sometimes you struggle. And by the way, I mean, they have some problems on the offensive line, that being the Chargers. They have two rookies, one at their left, left tackle and one at their right guard. So you're hoping that you can exploit that and take advantage of it and put more pressure on Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think the biggest advantage for the Broncos here is their their uh, their front four, front five, however many guys they're rushing. Uh, I think you're right. The, the offensive line has some issues for the Chargers. Obviously, you know, losing Slater for the year uh, is a big loss for them. And I think Bradley Chubb is a guy. I mean, he's playing phenomenal right now, and I feel like he could maybe get after Herbert a little bit um, and obviously slow down that run game, like you said. I did want to ask about Austin Eckler, Nick. When, when you look at him as a defender, what makes him so difficult to defend out of the backfield? Because I think he is arguably the best in the league in terms of, you know, when he catches a pass, maybe it's a swing pass or maybe it's a little pass two, three yards down the field and he just takes it and goes. What makes him so hard to match up? Is it an issue of like, hey, we've got a, uh, you know, a middle linebacker on him and Eckler's just so much faster than that? Like, how do you match up with that guy and why is he so effective at being a guy out of the backfield? The, the reason, George, he's so effective is that low center of gravity. And yeah. just remember this, that, that football is a game of uh, mathematics. It's, it's a game of angles. And you have to understand angles and you have to understand when you're facing certain running backs, the things that they try to do. And when I think about Austin Eckler, he reminds me of a combination of two guys, Darren Sproles and LaDainian Thomason, both great backs. And, and there are nightmares when you try to tackle them in open field, and that's what he does. He does a great job of setting up defenders. And what I mean by that is, like, if he's running outside, instead of looking where he wants to go, he looks outside. So you're thinking, okay, well, that's where he's trying to go. So you're trying to beat him to the point of attack, and then he puts his foot in the ground, and he cuts back across your face. So, and, and that low center of gravity and that change of direction is something that definitely suits him. And I know most people look at him and say, man, this is a small back. Oh, I'm going to grab him. I'm going to throw him on the ground. That's what you think, but he's got that excellent combination of, of speed and that lower body strength. And, and this is where, you know, that making that uh, kind of simulation between uh, both he and Darren Sproles, this is where Sproles was great 
in that Chargers uh, offense back in the day when I played him. And this is why Austin Eckler excels. And with him having that low center of gravity, you can't see him. You know, you, you find defenders kind of looking and trying to find him, and then boom, there he is, and he runs right past you. But this is why the linebackers, the safety, the, the D linemen, they have to maintain their gap. I don't want guys kind of looking and trying to shed. No, if you're supposed to be in the A-gap, be in the A-gap because the worst thing you can do against this guy, have two players in the same gap, and he's going to find the crease, and then now he's hitting his head on goalposts. Yeah, he reminds me of like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, where he like like turns into that little ball and just like flashes and he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what he reminds me of. Like you don't expect it and then he just like turns into something different and just is just an animal. So I, I think he's he's a really good football player, obviously uh, a local guy here, um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach that. Do you think I could tackle Austin Eckler? I know you said I couldn't tackle Javante Williams. Do you think I could tackle Austin Eckler? Uh like the answer to the Javante uh, question, no, and no again. Now, now you and your mind, I know you tell yourself that, you know, hey, I can do that. And, and I love that. I love the confidence that you display, George. But in reality, right, no, no. And, and think about this. You know how you like to blank out and forget things, right? So I would hate for you to be in that position where that guy gives you the business and you forget. And I'm like, nope. I got it right here on my phone. Thank you, yeah. George. Yeah, I'll definitely black out when I try to do that. Uh, maybe I'll pitch that to Nathaniel Hackett today. Say, hey, uh, let me play middle linebacker this week, and I'll, I'll cover off Snuckler. Uh Nick, Nick, let's take another quick break, and then we'll dive into some of the uh, Broncos' offense and, and specifically that offensive line. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody. Welcome back to um, the last segment here. I almost said a new, a new episode. Uh, it's not a new episode. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you, wait, after last segment, did you blank out again? I did. I did. I blacked out there. Uh, <laughs> that was, I was like, I was like ready to say another episode of Touchdown Denver there. Uh, oh, no, this is our last segment here. Uh, Nick, and, and let's dive into um, the offensive line. Uh, and, and we heard from Dalton Reisner this week, uh, and he talked a little bit about the offensive line struggles. But, Nick, I wanted to ask you first before we get to some, some Dalton Reisner audio here, but I wanted to ask you, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's maybe uh, the biggest concern you have right now for this offensive line? Obviously, injuries have been an issue. But what's maybe your number one concern with this group? Well, well, first of all, before we get into that, my my number one concern is for you blacking out. 
Now, I know you, <laughs> you, you were talking about last segment about tackling Austin Eckler. Maybe we need to stop that because even though you're not actually doing it, it's, it's almost like as though you are experiencing the residuals of trying to make those tackles when you break out. All right? Like I so, got knocked out. It's like I got yeah. knocked out. So that is a concern uh, for me. But when it comes to this Broncos offensive line, man, it is just trying to play great uh, as a cohesive unit. And this offensive line hasn't been great uh, all season long, and that's doing part because the right side of the offensive line has been missing Quinn Miners. And we've had Graham Glasgow and Cam Fleming, you know, manning that right side. And it hasn't really looked that great. And I wonder this, Joe, and you tell me if you've seen the same thing. I'm wondering what some of the play calls, the runs, and the throws have did, did Nathaniel Hackett cut the field in half because he, too, was a little concerned with that right side of that offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's that right side's not been very good, Nick. Um, that's just the reality. And I, I wonder if we see Billy Turner finally this week. I mean, he suited up last week and uh, apparently was available but just didn't play. Uh, so I don't know how concerning that is. Like, has he just not been very good in practice to where, like, they still feel more comfortable with Cam Fleming out there? Like, you also need Quinn Miners to get back, which I, it doesn't appear – He's going to be back soon. I don't know. I, I don't think he was out there at practice on Tuesday, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong in that. Uh, you've got Calvin Anderson's probably going to get to start at left tackle. So it, it just seems like there's a lot of, one, just issues, like you said, cohesion. And I think that's a result of the injuries that they've had. And so I, I, I just have a, not a great feeling about this offensive line right now. Like they just need to – they need to one, they need to get healthy because they need to get their best guys out there and all playing together as a unit. And and that's the biggest that's the biggest key in terms of offensive line play, right? Is everyone playing together uh, and everybody knowing everyone else's jobs and, and and helping out each other in those spots. And I just don't think that they've been able to do that because they've had such a weird rotation in there right now. Uh, and Dalton Reisner, we, we we have some audio here from him from Broncos.com. And he kind of talked about that. And he also talked obviously about Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, battling through his injury, but also knowing that they have to worry about their jobs and not just what Russell's doing. You, you know, Ru Russell's a warrior. Uh, for me as an offensive lineman, I love blocking for that guy. I love going to war for him. I'll continue to go to war for him each and every day, each and every game. Um, and it's no, it's no question um, now that you guys know that he's been battling injury. And the cool thing about Russell is that wasn't something that he let everyone know. That wasn't something he was complaining about throughout the week. He wanted to go to war and help us get a win. And, uh, you know, it's not my job to, to figure out what's affecting my quarterback or anything like that. It's my job to protect him. It's my job to keep him clean. So we all go through injuries, um, but we all got to be warriors, and that's exactly what he's done. Um, it's not my job to think about my teammates' play. I think the most important thing for us as a Denver Broncos offense is to understand that we all got to do our job. When all 11 of us on that field do our job, that's when we're going to get it clicking. Nick, uh, let me ask you this, because he talked a little bit about Russell Wilson's injury, and I don't think we've talked about that yet today. How concerned – what's your concern level with Russell Wilson playing behind this offensive line right now that's also banged up? Uh, it's it's uh, really concerning. I mean, uh, even if he wasn't uh, banged up the way that he is with that uh, lat issue, I still would be concerned because that idea at the end of the day – that quarterback cannot be efficient if that offensive line in front of him uh, can't really protect him. And I know in the league, you know, everyone props quarterbacks up on a high pedestal uh, as though they can't do any anything wrong. And every time there's a victory, it is a quarterback who is, should get uh, uh, validated for that. And if it's a loss, it's everyone else's fault. 
But no, I mean, a quarterback cannot do what he needs to do as far as win games, move the ball down the field without having adequate protection. So I'm glad that Dalton Reisner talked about, hey, my job is not to think about, you know, my, my teammates or even finger pointing, but my job is to protect the quarterback. And that's how every guy should look at their positions, offense or defense. Just go do your job and things will kind of, you know, work themselves out. And once again, when I look at this offensive line, it is going to be a makeshift offensive line. And you're going on the road. Now, I know you're playing the Chargers, and sometimes you look at a Chargers game, even like a Rams game, it's almost like a home game for their opponent as much it is as it is for them. But noise will still be a factor. How will, you know, Kevin Anderson now communicate with Dalton Reisner? How would that, how's that going to work out? How are things going to work out on that right side that's been problematic for, for a while? That is going to be uh, something that they have to work on. But here's something that I've seen over the past couple of weeks that has become somewhat of a tradition against this Broncos offense, and they have yet to pick it up. When you look at teams bringing that nickel defender off the edge, I mean, we saw Hobbs with the Raiders, Ufanga with the 49ers. That seems to be a recipe that teams will do to the Broncos. You want to bring your wide receiver in? Guess what? We're going to bring that guy off the edge. And they seem to have not come up with, George, uh, someone, somewhat of an uh, adjustment to pick that up. From an offensive line standpoint, being able to count the five and say, hey, here's a guy that may come out or just having an escape hatch, maybe a tight end running into the flat and Russell being able to dump the ball off. So this offensive line has some issues, but that is one that they still have yet to resolve. Yeah, and they've also, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this either, Nick, but when they stunt or twist on that right side, they almost never pick it up. And and that's falling, obviously, on, on Graham Glasgow and Cam Fleming. And I don't know if it's a communication issue, if it's an issue where, you know, both guys just aren't, you know, able to pick something up like that. I don't know what it is, but whenever that happens on that right side, rarely has been picked up. We saw Max Crosby come free a couple times uh, with the Raiders. We saw the Colts get home a few times. So I think that that right side is, is a huge concern. And, and I wanted to follow up by asking this, Nick, do you think Billy Turner is going to play a snap for this team this year? Because right now, I just every single week, I'm like, oh, is this the week? Is this the week? Is this the week? And so far, maybe he's getting a little bit closer. Last week, like I said, he was suited up. But again, on Tuesday, he wasn't practicing. He was he was out there doing his thing on the ladder, but he wasn't – I don't think he practiced. So do you think we're going to see Billy Turner, and, and do you think it would be anytime soon? I don't know, man. I'm like you and everyone else in Broncos country. I believe it when I see it. And it's yeah. nothing against uh, Billy Turner because I know how – injuries are but here's what I would like for the Broncos to do because every week that question comes up and it's like he's close he's close and he's just like well wait a minute only, only, when people talk about being close it's like like horseshoes and hand grenades right so so we're not dealing with that with Billy Turner if, if he has his injury and is going to linger for a while I'm just like you know what let's just put him on the shelf let's just put him on IR bring someone else in maybe at another position that can help this team out opposed to just kind of having us dangling out there and grasping for that carrot every time, saying, he's close, he's close. So for me, I'm not going to count a player until he's actually available and he's on the field. Once he's there, we can evaluate him. But since he's not on the field, we, we can't. He's just he, – he's a guy that, you know, we, we're hoping that once he comes in, he's going to make the offensive line better. But we haven't really seen it, you know, thus far. So it is focusing on the guys that you have right now. And once again, this offensive line, is having some issues. So let's try to get some healthy bodies on the field. 
Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, the two guys they brought in this offseason to, you know, really compete and, and probably start on that right side, uh, Tom Compton and, and Billy Turner, neither one have played a snap yet. And Tom Compton, I mean, you know, as far as Billy Turner is, Tom Compton looks even further from playing, obviously. So um, hopefully they can get those guys healthy eventually. Maybe Billy Turner can give it a go this week and really give that offensive line the boost that it, it's been needing. And he's a guy too, man. He's played every position on the offensive line other than center. So, like, you could really plug him in anywhere that you feel that you need him the most. I mean, they could play him at left tackle if they really needed to. I don't think they will. But, um, you know, maybe they'll get him back this week. But like you said, you got to play with what you got. And, uh, you know, I think that those guys are, just need to step up and play a little bit better. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Nick, quickly before we get into game predictions, what stands out about this Chargers defense? And do you think this could be a week – that the Broncos offense finally has a breakthrough. I know we've been saying that for the last <laughs> like five, six weeks now. Yeah. But do you think uh, this could be a week that they they have a big game? Yeah, I, I really do. But all of that is based on the scheme itself. How yeah. Nathaniel Hackett decides to move guys around and give Russell, once again, we're talking about the offensive line, give him some easy throws to establish a rhythm. More importantly, get the tight ends involved in the game plan. Looking at the going back and looking at the Cleveland game, David Njoku, I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna he had a game of his life, but you know, Jacoby Brissett was able to find him down the middle of the field because he they took advantage of the linebackers for the Chargers because they dropped so deep. And then sometimes they, they try to sniff up against uh, uh towards the line of scrimmage to stop uh, Chubbs and Kareem and Kareem Hunt that they left voids in the passing game behind them. See, this is where the Broncos won. Uh, need to establish the run. This is where the offensive line must take it upon themselves and say, look, here's what we can do. We can fire out and hit those guys in the mouth and establish the run. That's another way that you help Russell out in the passing game. So there are going to be some times uh, that uh, if the Broncos choose to go down the middle of the field and throw to their tight ends, then those routes are going to be available. So that's where you attack them now. J.C. Jackson and Asante Samuel Jr., both of these are quality corners, but they showed last week against the Browns wide receivers that, hey, those guys can be moved. There's routes to, to be made and catches to be made out there as well. But it goes back to the scheme itself. Are you creating those matchups? Are you profiling uh, or highlighting a certain wide receiver by putting them in a certain position? If they're able to do that, yes, this could finally be the game, George, that the Broncos offense starts to look like what we thought it should look like uh, starting the season. Well, and, and they do kind of catch a break. I, I believe Joey Bosa's out, isn't he? For Yeah, yes. Yeah, he's um, out. So, so they, they catch a break there uh, up front. Um, I believe Derwin James is healthy, isn't he, back there? I mean, obviously, he's one of the better safeties in the NFL. Um, so, you know, this is this is a, a good defense, but I do think that, um, like you said, Nick, there, there's holes in it, right? There, there's yeah. places for plays to be made. I wonder if Greg Dulcich can be a difference maker. Uh, I joked uh, a week ago that he could be he could be the savior of the of this uh, offense. Uh, I, I wonder. I wonder. You know, like you just mentioned, uh, the Browns were able to hit some of their tight ends for some big plays. I wonder if Dulcich can be that guy, or maybe Saubert or, or Alberto. I mean, I, I wrote actually in the Denver Gazette this week, Nick, uh, about about the tight ends. And did you know that they're they're tied for the eighth lowest in terms of targets in the NFL? Right now to their tight ends, I think they've only targeted the tight ends uh, 30 times, and Eric Saubert is the leader with 13 targets. That just is 
baffling to me. It, it, I mean, uh, they need to be using those guys more. Um, and maybe, maybe they just don't think they have the talent there. I don't know, but this seems like a game that they could really use their tight ends. Uh, especially when you talk about, like you said, the corners, uh, and they're going to be trying to shut down, obviously Jerry Judy and, and Corlin Sutton. So uh, I think you're right. This could be a week, but I feel like we're going to keep saying that until it actually happens. <laughs> so until it actually happens, I'm just going to say that it's, it's not going to happen, but, uh, Nick, what's, uh, what's maybe your prediction for this game? Well, you know, uh, for, for me, this is going to be a tight game because, once again, I know the Broncos' defense is going to come to play and the Chargers' defense is going to play. They have some players, like I said, uh, Santi Samuel Jr., Duran James. Uh, you still have Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. Uh, they, they're going to make the game really interesting. And for me, uh, listen, I, I'm going to go with the Chargers this week. Until I see something different uh, from the Broncos offensively, third down and inside the red zone, and they show me, that there's some creativity offensively. Uh, I have no choice but to look at the Chargers. I mean, you said it yourself. They're scoring at least uh, – are averaging 24 points a game. The Broncos are averaging 15 points a game. Now, that, that puts a lot of pressure on your defense. But, you know, I'm going to go with the Chargers right now, close game, uh, maybe 21-14 Chargers. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hope I, I, hope, I hope I'm wrong, but, but that's what I'm seeing right now. Well, yeah, and I don't think Broncos fans are going to like my prediction uh, because I, I'm also rolling with the Chargers. And I, I think it'll be somewhat close, but then I think it'll be kind of like the Raiders game where the Raiders kind of pull away late uh, and the Broncos are going to have to try and piece something crazy together to, to be in that game late. Um, and so I'm looking at Chargers like 27-17, something in there, 24-17, something like that, um, which I guess is, is sort of close. Like I think the Broncos hang in there. That You know, historically, Nick, They've been really bad in the AFC West in, in recent years, the Broncos have, but they've played really well against the Chargers for some reason. I mean, you even look last year in L.A., I believe they played them pretty close uh, with, with Drew Locke at quarterback. So I think that they can hang in there. And, and also, man, you know, Brandon Staley, if he goes for it on all these fourth downs, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe he gives the Broncos a chance. I don't at the end of that Browns game. I was like I was yelling at my television, like, what are they doing going for it on that? fourth and two at the end of the game and they didn't get it and they got bailed out by the Browns missing that kick. But uh, I, I think it could be close. I don't know. It, it's one of those games that again, the Broncos, it feels like they should, they have a talented enough team to win this game. I just don't know if they can put it all together. So uh, Nick, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Listen, man, uh, look, uh, I hope the Broncos are able to pull off a victory. They, they definitely would need it after what happened uh, last week, uh, Thursday. But once again, I believe in when I see it. And for me, they have to go out there and they have to make those types of plays. If you're not making plays on third down and you're behind the chains and you cannot move the ball or come up with something creative in the red zone, it makes it really difficult. I don't care who's your head coach, who's your quarterback. So hopefully this is the week that they turn around. But until they do that, obviously I'm still going to roll with the Chargers on this one. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the reality is the Chargers are just the better football team right now. Uh, but it's a week-to-week -week league. Anything can happen. Um, any given Sunday, I guess any given Monday in, in this perspective. Fourth fourth primetime game in six games, Nick. That's crazy. But uh, it'll, be, it'll be a fun one to watch, I think. And uh, thanks, everybody, to be listening. And uh, make sure you guys subscribe, like the podcast, share it um, with your friends, your, your family, all those people. Uh, and we will see you guys next week.